like some of you, one of my guilty pleasures involves pouring over the wedding vows of the New York Times style section on Sundays. If I'm in a great hurry, I scan the entries looking quickly for all the Jewish weddings, checking to see if I know the rabbis, intrigued by the growing number of ordained for the day friend officiants. The wedding section of the New York Times is a trove of fascinating, romantic, and often improbable stories that lead up to the wedding day. The best story of this past year was the tale of Sarah Richards and Wyeth Killip. Ms. Richards, an executive account director for Condonoste, met Mr. Killip a toy manufacturer on Memorial Day in 2011. They both happened to be at a bar when Mr. Killip's friends challenged him to see if he could get a woman in the bar, any woman, to give him her phone number. Raising the challenge, he told them, pick any woman in this bar and I will go up and talk to her. They looked around and spotting Ms. Killip, Ms. Ms. Richards, they pointed to her. Lo and behold, the two started talking and then started dating. Fast forward to 2015, when Mr. Killip shared a gondola ride with Ms. Richards' father on a family vacation. Her father, Dr. Richards, let Mr. Killip know that he would be so pleased if the two of them one day decided to get married, and he would only hope that he could be present on the day of the wedding. On April 1st, 2016, Mr. Killip proposed to Ms. Richards. It so happens that Ms. Richards' dad had been diagnosed with a rare form of cancer that was moving quickly, and it had just taken a turn for the worse. So immediately after having his marriage proposal accepted, Mr. Killip suggested that they get married the very next evening. She thought it was an April Fool's joke, but he wanted to keep his commitment to his future father-in-law to have him present at the wedding. So, wedding dresses in multiple sizes were FedExed in from New York to their home in Cincinnati. Closest family jumped on airplanes. The family living room, where the bride's father was now on hospice care, was festooned. Rabbi Louis Camrus, a family friend, was called in. It's about time, said the beaming bride's father, as he wore his tuxedo and walked her down the makeshift aisle. The bride's father gave a short talk about the wonderful times they had all had and the wonderful times to come for the bride and groom. He went to lie down after the ceremony, and he died the next morning. The vows section of the New York Times reports that Sarah Richards and Wyeth Killip were legally married by Rabbi Camrus this past June the 3rd.
It's all true. You can look it up. But we know that it is a remarkable story for two reasons. One, of course, is that sometimes the person we love does die before making it to the birth of the grandchild, the bat mitzvah, or the wedding. That happens a fair amount. It's just the way life goes sometimes. But the other reason is that more often than not, we are alive and present for the wedding of our child, the birth of our grandbaby, the bar and bat mitzvahs and the weddings. We just take it for granted. We don't think of it as remarkable. Every life event, a wedding, bar mitzvah, seder, birthday, is marked by the presence of the people we love and by the absence of the people we love. Because the timeline of birth and death is mysterious, there is never a guarantee that every person we love will be physically present on our big day. The first rabbi I ever worked for in Scarsdale, New York, Rabbi Jack Stern of Blessed Memory, taught me innumerable valuable lessons that have served me well in my rabbinate. But there's one practical lesson he taught me, and I rarely mention it, but I will tell you simply because of the lesson within the lesson. It is sad but true that medical emergencies do occur during weddings, not often, but they happen. Once in a while, it's a grandparent who in all of their excitement neglected to eat or take their medicine and passes out right in the middle of the ceremony. Of course, the ceremony stops and either a doctor friend comes to the rescue or 911 is called. And almost always after medical attention, everything is fine. What Rabbi Stern taught me though, is that the rabbi should always be sure to finish up the ceremony and legally marry the couple. It might sound hard to finish up a ceremony while someone is being attended to, but the wisdom is that the wedding takes precedence. All matters of life take precedence. And so if our grandfather dies in the weeks leading up to the bar or bat mitzvah, or our parent isn't there for the wedding, or doesn't live to meet our children, it is sad, and their physical absence is keenly felt. But we know that they want us to live. They want us to embrace life's joys. They want us to take over, and we must lead the Seder, prepare the holiday meal, dance at our child's wedding. Judaism leaves open the hope and the possibility that even after we die, they die, their spirits remain with us. Their spirits do quell as our child stands up here and chants from the Torah. And they do spiritually dance 
at our weddings. We carry them in our DNA, in our mannerisms, and always in our hearts. At this moment of Yiskor, as we think about each person we love who is no longer physically here, let us remember them with love and affection. And let the way we honor them be the way that we celebrate life at each step along the way.